So thanks for tuning in to our newest episode, the first of 2018. Very exciting. Um, as usual, we'll start with what's been our cheap therapy this week. Maddie, we'll go to you first. Hi guys, happy new year. Um, what has been cheaper than therapy for me um, this week has been listening to Zambian music. I've had quite a stressful week at work, so putting on some funky Zambian beats has really sort of helped me get through this week. So I'm Eva. Um, as you can maybe tell from my voice, I've been really ill. I've had the man flu. Um, I also want to take some time afterwards to maybe talk about why it's called man flu. But so nothing's been my cheap therapy this week. I tell you what's definitely not been my cheap therapy this week has been watching loads of Black Mirror while you're ill. Don't do it. Over to Mona. So mine is like the biggest cliche in the book. So this week, my cheaper than therapy has been retail therapy. Um, yeah, hit the January sales after work on Friday, bought loads of inappropriate clothes that is like way too young for me. <laughs> um, I'm basically trying to rock it anyway. Right. So this week, we're, we have a very juicy topic. Uh, we're going to talk about dating and relationships. Um, but before we really get into that, there's one big thing that went viral before Christmas, which we sort of missed out on, which we really wanted to comment on, which ties in really well with our topic today, which was the viral short story, Cat Person. So for those of you who haven't read it, it was a story that was published in The New Yorker. It was a short story, and it was about this young girl, Mar. Margot? Margot? I never know how to pronounce that name. Margot. Sorry. Um, and it was about her meeting this guy named Robert, who was a little bit older than her. Um, she meets him in this movie theater. They exchange numbers and then they text back and forth. And then they actually start seeing each other in person. And she sort of gradually loses interest in Robert while seeing him, even though she still goes on a date with him ends up sleeping with him while that is happening, has sort of second thoughts, and um, then kind of tries to get out of the whole thing, um, perhaps badly. Um, and this was really interesting for two reasons. Well, first of all, it was a short story that went viral. Like, when does that ever happen? Um, but obviously, it was also picked up um, in correlation with the Me Too movement, a lot of people had hot takes on it, how that was sort of talking about our culture today and dating and 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 women's place in dating. And um, yeah, anyway, if you haven't read it yet, you should really check it out. But it, I'd be really interested to hear from you guys what you thought of it, if you had any thoughts, if you read it and were like, oh God, this sounds familiar. Yeah, I mean, I, I find the whole... Um a short story quite upsetting. I don't know if you guys also found the same, but um, there was something about the kind of power differential between uh, a younger woman um, and like an older guy, even though kind of, 
you know, she seems like she's got a lot more going on than him. She's at college, like she's smart, she's got friends and he actually seems quite kind of loserish and lonely and he's like quite a lot older than her. I think he's about 34. I mean, he's called Cat Person, which I think is a bit of a weird kind of play on like Cat Lady, like that older, like single person. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, he's a man. And yeah, but there were lots of things I found upsetting about it. But one thing that I just wanted to draw out as a theme because it really spoke to me about how we operate as women is, um, you know, how much... Um, uh, Margot basically kind of um, panders to his ego throughout and how she feels bad every time she lets him down and I just wanted to read a few lines that really kind of spoke to me about something that feels familiar that we do as women so basically they've been on a date hasn't really gone all that well and she's a bit confused about why it hasn't gone well and um, she's worried that she's kind of offended him and so she basically decides to change her tactics about how she deals with him in order to make the date go better. And so here are a few lines about how she does that. She spoke self-deprecatingly about the movies at the artsy theatre that she found boring or incomprehensible. She told him about how much her older co-workers intimidated her and how sometimes she was worried she wasn't smart enough to form her own opinions on anything. The effect of this on him was palpable and immediate. She felt as if she were petting a large skittish animal and like a horse or a bear, skillfully coaxing it to eat from her hand. And I think basically what she's doing is trying to make him feel better about himself and therefore for the date to go more successfully by putting herself down. And to me, this was like one of the most kind of sort of upsetting, but also familiar bits of the article and how as women were often kind of um, trying to manage a situation by like diminishing ourselves and, and kind of putting men kind of above us on a pedestal. And yeah, that, that was one thing that really stood out to me that that seemed kind of very much um part of the honesty of the piece well as usual maddie will come in with a i guess a totally different opinion <laughs> in how i viewed um <laughs> this article and the way i saw it is like she meets this guy and she he's sort of not really interested but then she starts to pk his interest and then as soon as he starts getting interesting in her she said she has this unsurety about it. But then as soon as he starts losing interest in her, she's trying to make ways to gain his interest again. So I think I'm a bit, for me, it was a bit confusing is that I can understand she was uncertain about the relationship, but if I'm all for, if you don't feel something is right, don't do it. And if you can't force people to like you and sort of trying to make yourself or put yourself down so that somebody can relate to you, I think is completely and utterly stupid. I mean, yes, she's a young 20 year old, so maybe she hasn't thought about these things in life. But for me, there was a lot that I found a bit disturbing from her side. And I guess even the part about when they're having sex and she's, you can like, you can sort of like see that she's starting to feel uncomfortable, but instead of just saying, look, I can't do this. She just goes about just to satisfy his ego, which is quite wrong because then he obviously has got a really like, I guess, warped sense of what the relationship is. Cause he now thinks that they're boyfriend and girlfriend in a sense, because they've been going on these dates and she actually has sex with them. You've, regardless like she, even the sexual attraction that she she doesn't feel it there but he obviously thinks that oh she likes me if she's gonna have sex with me even if it's a bit awkward and it doesn't feel right so I guess I can understand the concept in that women we, we shouldn't allow women to do that like you know degrade themselves to give to stroke other people's ego but she shouldn't be we should also teach them more if you're not interested in something don't do it to make other people or yourself feel good. But in a sense, it's like she's happy to stroke his ego, meaning that there must be something, I guess, that gives her, uh, like, that she gets off on by making him feel good. So I still, I understand the nature of the article, but I just, 
I think I'm trying to see it from both points of view. And even the bit of where she was disgusted, basically disgusted by his body, but she still had sex with him anyway. I think that's a disservice to him. If you're not feeling it, just walk away. So it's almost in a sense that not the fat shaming thing, like everybody has a different body shape and you're attracted to what you're attracted to. I think you're making a point in that you shouldn't do that. Although I have to say, I totally related to this article because I have done that, <laughs> especially when I was younger. I mean, there, ugh, there was this one time that I went to a party and there was a guy and I could tell he really wanted to like kiss me and stuff. And instead of saying, I don't want to, I let him sort of like hug me and touch me, but pretended I was falling asleep. And then, <laughs> and then, um, and then, um, when he was like, Oh, she's asleep and like left, I was like, run and basically left. So I kind of, I, and that was not, I'm not, you know, I'm not proud of it, but that's not the only time that I've done that. <laughs> so, um, I really relate to this girl and I mean in a way I can sort of understand to me it's like because she's I can't remember what exactly her age is early 20s and that's when I was like that I don't think I would do that anymore now um but when I was younger I definitely did that and I think it's because I don't know like it's kind of described in the story this whole feeling of I'd rather not make a fuss right I'd rather not make the other person feel uncomfortable I'd rather feel uncomfortable myself and find like an elegant way like (laughs) pretending that I'm asleep so that I don't have to say to the person I don't like you I'm not interested and obviously you know that's not in an ideal world that's not what you should do you should always say like I'm into this or I'm not into this and give consent with words rather than, you know, hope that the other person gets it. And I do understand that that's maybe confusing sometimes. Um, but at the same time, it's that thing, right? Like, I think we're just sort of t- told or taught in this world that as women, you always have to be nice, you have to be agreeable, you have to watch out for other people's feelings. And I mean, there are people like Maddie, and I really admire that, who can just be like, no, I'm not into that, and that's it. But I think for me, I because I am a people pleaser, maybe, I just feel totally uncomfortable when I have to tell someone like, dude, I'm not into you, I'm sorry. I just find that the, the worst feeling in the world. So I kind of did relate to Margot in the story. Um, although, you know... I do think, so I think one thing that's also interesting about Margot is that I don't think she's meant to be portrayed as this victim. You know, I do think she's meant to be a flawed person. I don't think you're meant to say, oh, I feel so sorry for her and Robert took advantage of her. And like you mentioned, Maddie, there is this bit about, well, which some people have called fat shaming. I'm not really sure if you can really go that far to call it fat shaming, but um, that obviously she's like judging him based on his body and things like that, which is not very nice. Like, she's obviously not a nice person. She's obviously not meant to be this, you know, tragic heroine that you're supposed to feel sorry for. But I do do find it quite relatable in the sense that I think a lot of women are like that, that they'd rather be agreeable and nice and make the other person feel good than um, feel good themselves. Yeah, and I think, though, ultimately, she doesn't make the other person feel good. You know, it ends really badly. Like, she's too scared to text him to say, like, you know what, I wasn't into it. I I don't really want to see you again. And so it ends up being that her friend sends a really, like, short kind of 
quite nasty text message just saying like, I'm not interested, please don't contact me again. Um, and, you know, he actually initially responds really well to that. He says like, I really hope it isn't something I did. I liked you, I had a good time, but I totally respect that you don't want to see me again. And he leaves it there for the, the, the time being. So yeah, I mean, ultimately her behavior doesn't result in a good outcome. Like I, I again, I agree with Maddie in an ideal world, we wouldn't behave like this. We would be have much more agency over our, like being able to, discuss how we really feel and kind of be much more um uh kind of uh strong I guess at putting across our true feelings but like Eva I just found it all too familiar in terms of like the way in which um we're kind of socialized to operate as women I just want to clarify in that sometimes you go through a relationship which you think is right or or you think you're happy with at the time but you can, if in hindsight you can say oh maybe I shouldn't have done it and I think that's okay but if at the time, you really don't, I think, are not feeling it. I think we shouldn't be afraid to say no. Because I come from a culture where, well, at least when I was growing up, I felt like women were just sort of more submissive and they just got along with it. But somehow, I think I just maybe I'm a rebellious type mm-hmm. in that when I want something or if I don't want something, I'd rather be more vocal. Not to say that that has always worked, but if like the same way if a guy is trying to kiss you and you're saying no, 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 and then I guess ends up into a forceful situation, right? But I just, I don't know. I think for me, it's, and when I look at things, I like to try and see both sides of the story. I mean, in the end, it, it doesn't really, he ends up being a nasty guy because he ends up seeing her in the pub with her friends. And he must have obviously seen her friends try to do a huddle, like protect the president, out, you know, get her out of the pub. And then he texts her, you know, I saw you. And on, and then and he says, bitch, right? So I think on that. Yeah, he says whore. Oh, did, oh yeah, sorry. My bad. And obviously that's a terrible thing to do. I guess it's from his frustration in the way it ended. But I mean, he also ended up being a stalker, to be fair. If he was turning up at the pub that only students go to and he knew she went to. Um, but I still feel that could have all been, if he had never got as far as her taking her clothes off and him thinking that there's a possibility. And because, like like you said, they're both, they're both flawed human beings. Obviously, he's a 34-year-old man, obviously looking for a relationship and maybe with somebody who probably isn't suited to him and he's trying to force something that really shouldn't be there. So I guess we have to look at both sides, but I think the the way this article was portrayed, it's almost like, Oh yeah, I I identify, but people don't, people have identified with what he's going through in his mind. He thinks he's found this lovely girl who makes him feel nice, who says these things so he can have an intellectual conversation with her and they can joke about movies or she makes him feel smart. So for him, obviously if he doesn't really have much of a social life or friends around that kind of makes him feel good. So he's obviously anticipating much more. And I guess maybe it's her, the fact that she's quite young, she can't see that effect that she's having on him. But from the way the story is, I think she can. So I think in a way, they're both responsible parties for what happened. Can I ask you guys a question about what you think about like the role of like technology um, in the story? Because um, I think one of the really interesting things is that they kind of text quite a lot to begin with rather than see each other. And they have this kind of back and forth and they have this much more kind of flirtatious and compatible relationship over text message than they seem to have in real life. So when they meet up, it's always much more awkward. The conversation is quite stilted. They don't seem to be gelling as well as they do over text. And I'm just curious as to what you guys think about whether that's kind of true to life and whether that speaks to a kind of um, a moment that we're having in our like dating world at the moment where you build up a lot of rapport over technology and then face to face it might not be there like that spark isn't there that attraction isn't there or that ability to kind of have uh, you know 
banter is just not there in real life. So I'm just curious if that's something you guys have experienced. Well, as usual, because I feel when you're texting and talking, you're trying to give the best, I guess, possible version of yourself. And there's all this bravado and trying to amp yourself. Because you're essentially trying to sell yourself to the other person, thinking that I want this person to meet me or get to know me. But, well, most guys, I want this person to sleep with me. So I'm going to try and convince you to sleep with me. But for me, I've always been under the impression that you have a couple of texts and you feel like, okay, this they sound almost normal enough or sane enough. I'm all for... Almost normal. <laughs> Nobody is normal, let's be honest. I feel like I'd rather meet them as soon as possible to get to, to see if there's that actual connection and spark because I could say, oh, yeah, I love cats and, you know, we go, I go horse riding on the weekend and then when I turn up, I'm just like, I forget that I told the guy I like cats and I'm just like, oh, no, they're shitty, smelly animals or something. <laughs> so, it, so it's... It's very easy to make yourself somebody that you're not while you're texting because you're trying to PK somebody's interests. So, which is my why my strategy is to be as self-deprecating as possible. <laughs> See, then that that make that means he can do that to you as well. Sure. So if you're giving him the opportunity to do that, then he, to put to make himself feel better or thinking, oh yeah, she likes it when I rub. Thank you. But like I said, I still feel I'd rather get to know the person or meet the person as soon as possible. Like, And I find it quite funny because how I met my boyfriend, like it took a month for him to sort of for us to actually go on our first date. And by then I was just like, this guy is totally not interested in me because I was like, we met on um, on an app. So I was just like, oh, I, I told him, I was like, I don't think this app is for me. But if you'd like to swap numbers and, you know, go for a coffee sometime, because I was just like, at this point, he's probably not interested in me. So we can, I can go for a coffee and we can, you know, be friends or something. I don't know. But I guess it, it just depends on how people are different. And we had the discussion. It says he'd rather get to know somebody via text. But for me, I'm under the impression I could have told him, you know, I'm a gold class you know, like I say, horse rider or something. <laughs> and, then he, and then I turn up five foot nothing with my stubby legs and seeing like, how can the hell can she do that? <laughs> so. Right. I just wanted to sort of wrap up on the cat person here and maybe um, move a little bit more towards the general topic of relationships and dating. But maybe before we get into that, it'd be quite interesting to just uh, kind of talk about our personal approach to this topic because I think we've all kind of been we're all in different situations Mona's been in a long-term relationship she's been married for a while Maddie's been dating for a pretty oh, long man. time <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Maddie's been dating for a while and has now recently entered a new relationship I came out of a long-term relationship recently well now it's been a while but um, I'm sort of starting to dip my feet into the dating pool I guess so I'd just be sort of interested to hear from you guys what you think or what you like about your current situation and what you maybe miss about what you had before or in Mona's case if you see you know people talking about tinder and dating or you read cat person is there anything you miss I mean maybe not thinking about cat person but Um, yeah, so my situation is I've been in the same relationship since I was like 20 um, and now I'm 31. So that's 11 years. So, um, yeah, and I've been married for something ridiculous, like six years of that. So, yeah, nuts, completely nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, what I love about it is that like, I mean, I have a lot of stability in my life and also like I've just married the best man in the world. So, <laughs> like, I have zero doubts. So that's really good. 
You know, normally that that uh, gushing only goes to Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two can play that game, Maddie. Um, yeah, no, he's yeah. I mean, he's is incredible. So, um, so for me, it's like my life is very simple in lots of ways. I don't have any stress about my relationship, really. Like, don't get me wrong. Of course, we fight every now and again. There are, you know, things that are tensions on both sides sometimes or whatever. But but by and large, like. Um, that my relationship aspect of my life feels pretty sorted for now. Um, so that's that's really great. I mean, I guess what I would say about other people's situations or what where the grass is greener. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm a human being. Like I look at everyone else being on Tinder and kind of, you know, swiping and, you know, getting validation from men saying like, you're hot or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I don't get that. Like, you know, except from my like, like husband. So um, yeah, I'd love a bit more male <laughs> attention. Who wouldn't? Um, but yeah, that's that's, that's kind of the only thing and I wouldn't swap my situation really for the world yeah I mean so I guess what I kind of miss about being in a relationship is um what you just mentioned Mona that sort of uh I guess aspect of stability or um just kind of being yourself because I think like if you're in a relationship with someone like a serious relationship and I don't mean like the first months when you, you think the other person's just perfect but um just being in a relationship is because they know you you know them and you know you know that they have flaws but you accept those because you think um their strengths or their personality is is worth it basically so I like that because I think like if you if you meet someone new, there's always that thing at the beginning where you're like, oh, my God, am I going to mess up and say something that they find completely ridiculous and horrible and they're just going to disappear, basically. Um, so I think that's that is definitely one of the things that I miss about our relationship. So what I really like about my current um, situation and um, this is going to sound quite cheesy, but I really enjoy being single to just get to know myself again um, because I spent like six years in a long-term relationship and then before that I had another long-term relationship so it's been a really long time since I've been single and um, yeah I just kind of felt like it was so it was so good to just spend like a couple of months just on my own and thinking about what I like and what I want and what I'm interested in because I think if you're in a relationship with someone you know obviously you want to spend time with them and and you hopefully you're interested in what they're interested in but there is a danger of taking on a little bit of the other person's personality and habits and things like that and um, <clears throat> that maybe are quite hard to distinguish from your own interests um, after a while you know like for example what I thought was really interesting with my ex-partner was that he was like really into getting up early on the weekends and he was like he was always like seven o'clock going out to run errands and like go to the gym and and I started doing that too and it, it really got to that point where I was like I am a morning person I love getting up at seven on a Saturday and Sunday and be active and do stuff and almost subconsciously when when we parted ways I totally dropped that habit like immediately I was like there's no way I'm getting up at 7am on a Saturday. <laughs> I know. But so, I mean, I really enjoyed about being single and, you know, really taking some time after my relationship to, to start, you know, get to know me and, or like getting back to knowing myself and what I'm interested in, what I like. And I think because of that, I feel a lot more confident now um, entering the dating world again, because I really feel like I kind of know what I want and what I'm looking for and what's important to me rather than just, you know, having like a rebound and um, getting validation from someone like, oh, no, I'm still desirable, even though it didn't work out with that other person. So, yeah, that's what I really enjoy about being single at the moment. Me, myself. 
So essentially, yeah, eat, pray, loving. <laughs> um, yes. So for me, I've been in a relationship for about what seven officially seven months, I guess. So I use the official term. And what I love about, I guess, my relationship now is the, like I think Mona mentioned, that security. And I think I really love my boyfriend, and I feel very secure. And I I do realize I do feel like I don't need validation from anybody else because he gives me everything that I've ever wanted and needed. So I'm very happy where I am. And he's, it's given me a lot more confidence in who I am and as a person, because essentially he's also my best friend in saying that we can actually talk about everything. So that's what I love. The thing that I miss about the perceived grass that is greener on the other side, I think is cause I've been um, single the majority of most, like majority of my adulthood and I've lived alone. Um, so I think I kind of miss cause I'm a very, well, I like to have my own little space and I think I miss that just a little bit. I mean, not as much uh, as in, obviously if I didn't want it, I wouldn't have moved in with my boyfriend, but I feel sometimes I need my quiet time when I need to recharge my batteries. And it's very hard to do that when you're living with somebody constantly and you're navigating family, friendships and everything, but it's not a big deal in that I can navigate and find spaces to help myself, I guess, recharge my batteries even whilst he's there. Yeah, no, so that's super interesting how we all have such different um, approaches to this topic, I guess. But I kind of wanted to talk to you guys a little bit more about just dating and relationships in general. So obviously there's a lot in the news lately about millennials, you know, killing dating, killing marriage. A lot of people our age are trying different relationship models. So, you know, whereas maybe our parents or other generations were a little bit more, um, I guess, had a more heteronormative monogamy normative is that a word I don't know oh oh yeah exactly that's what I meant um (laughs) had that approach to it where that's just sort of the norm you know that you find that one person that you want to be with and you marry them and so on and so forth and now a lot of people especially our age are sort of trying new models where they're like either have one partner that they really want to be with but still see other people or people have open relationships um so I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about these models of consensual non-monogamy such as polyamory or open relationships um, and see what your opinions on that are especially it would be interesting to hear from you Mona because you've obviously (laughs) you're in a very monogamous relationship as far as you know (laughs) I mean stop so projecting onto me Eva (laughs) okay let's pause the podcast here and let's talk about that instead no, I'm joking. Yeah, I am in a monogamous <laughs> marriage. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's brilliant. Like I think um, like uh, all of these mo- models of like ethical non-monogamy and just being kind of frank about what your needs are is really good because I think, you know, we've always had infidelity. Let's face it, like we might have had like a long tradition as societies of having, you know, um, monogamous marriages by perception. But in reality, like what I don't know what the divorce rate is, but ridiculously high. So. Um, it's 42% in the UK. 
42%. I mean, that's, that's insane. Um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, I think what it is doing is just trying to bring more openness and honesty into relationships and allowing people maybe to, um, negotiate a situation whereby, you know, they want to be with one person primarily to live with and to maybe have children with and to kind of structure their lives around. But from like a sexual perspective, maybe they need a bit more freedom or a bit more like ability to experiment or do things with other people that you wouldn't do within your marriage or whatever it might be. Um, so I think it's, I think it's great. I think the more normative it becomes, the better. Like I can imagine that maybe if you're in like a polyamorous relationship or something that maybe that doesn't feel like something you could talk about at work. And so you might, it might still be taboo because they're not yet kind of social norms, these different type of models. But I think for sure they should be because ultimately let's face it, 42% is a pretty high failure, right? So we've got to do something differently. I guess I'm in agreement with Mona, like fair play to the people that can decide that works for them. I personally, I don't know if I could do it because I'm quite jealous by nature and it takes me, I, I focus all my attention into the one relationship, but I still, I do believe that a lot of people are not honest in relationships, like going, f like when initially they start thinking that, oh, I won't be satisfied. And people, some people already know that, that they won't be satisfied by that. So I think it's better to tell your partner saying, look, this is what works for me. And if it doesn't work for them, then they can find somebody else having a relationship model that works for them. I guess it's still kind of feels more taboo, I guess, when people say I'm in a polyamorous relationship because people say, oh, how can you love one more than one person? But f some of the polyamorous relationships, it's not always about loving people. It's just about, it can be a physicality or getting satisfaction, a certain type of satisfaction you would get from one partner that you wouldn't get from another. So I think as long as you're open with your partner of what your needs would be, and I guess, or open, I guess, I think a lot of reasons why some relationships tend to fail as people are not open sexually of what they desire. And I think that's, I guess, 42, 42%, like you said, is quite high. But I feel that at least we sh it should be something that's more talked about. I come from a culture where it is acceptable for like men to cheat, as in it's one unwritten rule. Like if your husband strays, the woman just has to accept that the husband strays and he can sometimes come back. But with millennials, it's actually changing in that if a lady finds her husband stray, she starts to stray as well. So I think that's that's not conducive for any relationship because everybody's now sneaking around. But you say, okay, look, if you feel like that's what you want and if you it's accepting for me to get what I want, but we still want to have this, I guess, primary model together, I think that's fine. And I know people from where I come from are going to kill me when <laughs> after saying that. But I know it's not something I could do. And I've, I've been open and honest with my boyfriend in that that that's not a model that will work for me to have other people if there's something that's lacking in our relationship I prefer to talk about it and get to the cause of what's not working and then we sort it out ourselves and if we feel like we can't then off we go to different like different people yeah I just wanted to make two points really so I also think it's really great that we're having so many that we're having an open discussion about these different models right and I actually have quite a few friends who try these different models themselves and I'm always in awe of that because I do see that it requires a lot of communication and transparency and I think that's so great that you can have and you can be with a partner that you can have that level of um, I guess communication and, and, and confidence you know that you feel like you can admit to these things or you can discuss these things without any judgment or without it being like well you know you have a crush on someone else then I'm leaving and that's actually something that I wanted to mention 
earlier, like, I think it's, like, totally normal to have crushes on other people, even if you're committed to one person. Like, it's definitely happened to me, you know, that you're, like, there's that guy at work where you're, like, oh, yeah, so hot. And, um, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that you don't want to be in the relationship you're in. It just means, I think it's a lot of pressure to put on one person to be everything for you, you know, like, the person that makes you happy, the person that fulfills your needs, um, sexually and otherwise, so it, that is a lot of pressure on one person, and I think we're kind of not being realistic if we think that um, that one person can provide all of these things for us, so I think it's really, it's really important that we do have these different models, and like I said, I really admired when people are in relationships where they can address these things openly, and I think the other thing I just wanted to mention, Maddie, is when you talked about, oh, it was sort of, you know, normal for men in the past to cheat, and I think part of the reason why we are now having these um, more open discussions about um, polyamory or open relationships or um, consensual non-monogamy is because of women's sexual liberation, right? Because, uh, you know, probably in the past, it was the same for women that they were like, I don't really want to maybe be with this one guy forever. But, you know, that's that's patriarchy and or whatnot. So that that's the role of the woman to to be submissive and to not stray. Um, where I guess, where I guess, whereas I guess now it's more acceptable for women to state that they want to have um, multiple partners or that they want to have different sexual experiences. So I think it's overall a really positive um, development. I think my only worry is that um, for people like me who want to be monogamous, we might become like boring to society. So because um, for, for me, the way I view monogamy and like everybody has a different take on it in that I agree you can be attracted to other people but for me the reason why I'm with my women because there's an emotionality so as soon as I start crushing on somebody there for me that means I've taken it to an emotional element um and I guess that's how people view it differently but I think that's for me that's how I work in relationships like I can be physically attracted to somebody but I don't know who they are you know, I don't know if they're a good person, how they treat other people, how they interact with family or what their views or goals are in life. So I think for me, that's how I differentiate. But like I said, nobody, no two people are the same, but I, I still applaud people who are able to be honest and say, oh, yeah, I want to do that or I want to do that. Because I personally, maybe I still have a bit of maybe hesitation in the way I view, but I still, like I said, I can applaud it. But for me, maybe the hesitation of not being exposed to such, I guess that's why I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no, the other thing I just wanted to mention is that, so um, I've got friends of mine who actually rely on a, a pretty cool book um, in terms of exploring this area and like which model fits best to them, which is called The Ethical Slut by Dossie Easton. And um, so I haven't read the book in full, but I've read like a couple of pages of it. And I think it's generally a really good um, guide uh, or book in terms of any relationship because it talks a lot about, you know, ethical slut, meaning that you're um, trying to be responsible and that you you care you're trying to be considerate of other p people's feelings right you don't want to be you don't want to mess anyone around and you don't want to um, upset anyone so a lot of it is about open communication and transparency so that's the the bits that I've read in this book were a lot about that sort of transparent communication and I thought that it was really relevant to any relationship really because even if you're in a monogamous relationship I think there's so many things that go 
unsaid if you don't have like a really good base where you can communicate openly, um, where you feel like you can't address certain things because, um, you know, the other, your partner might get upset or, you know, you might hurt their feelings. So I thought that was a really interesting book to read more about this transparent communication model where you just talk openly about what your partner and what you yourself need. Um, and instead of saying like, I, I thought it was quite interesting, Maddie, that you mentioned jealousy, because I think that's probably something that I, or that a lot of people would struggle with. But in this book, jealousy is discussed as one of those feelings that you just have to talk through. So rather than saying like, I'm jealous, therefore you can't do this or the other way around. Um, it's more like I'm jealous. So we have to keep talking through it. Yeah, I, I've not read that book, but I would definitely recommend um, Dan Savage's podcast, um, the Savage Lovecast, which has lots of different like. Um, it's more like it's kind of like a he's kind of like an agony uncle. Um, lots of like um, sex relationships issues, but he's very much kind of um, yeah from that school of like, if you want to be non monogamous, has to be ethical, and um, he gives lots of great advice on that. And um, yeah, it's just generally quite an interesting listen quite explicit but an interesting lesson so yeah I definitely recommend that if people are interested in the topic in general I have a question for you Mona uh, for somebody who's married um there's this sort of not growing movement of the option of marriage licenses where you have like you're married for a limited time let's say five to seven years and then once you hit that peak you can either agree to continue or renew your license or get divorced do you have an opinion about that Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I definitely kind of don't have that kind of arrangement. And I think actually putting a lifespan on commitment, I wonder whether that would kind of be its own self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, once you get to X number of years, like maybe you're more tempted to think like, okay, fine, I just need to reach that milestone. And then like, you know, any issues that aren't resolved, then like, fuck it, I'll just throw all the cards in the air and start again. Um, so I don't think that would be for me. I mean, like if I look back on the course of my relationship over 11 years, like I would say Harry and I had a rough patch, like two and a half years in, and then maybe another one about like five years in. And if I had had like in my head, a time frame of like, okay, five years, and then it would expire. I wonder whether I would have tried as hard to resolve any of the problems that we had or whether in the back of my head, there would always be a get out clause. And I mean, there is a get out clause, there's divorce. <laughs> um, and it's a get out clause that loads of people take. But to me, I think one of the things about marriage is just like the longevity of it in a similar way now that I think people think about their careers you can kind of think wow my career is going to be so long until I retire that I can have downtime uh, times when I'm doing badly times when I'm doing well like times when I work really hard times when my career takes a back seat or whatever and so I think kind of the same with marriage like like life is long hopefully we'll be together forever and you know there will be times when it's better or worse but like over the course of the distance of a of a lifetime's marriage, the 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 dips will be small in perspective and in retrospect. So, yeah, I think there is something to me quite liberating in a way about uh, the length of a marriage with no deadline because it means you know things will play out in the long run, things will get better. This makes it sound like I have a bad marriage. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> So the last 
topic that I guess we wanted to talk about was, um, yeah, online dating, which is apparently a millennial thing. And there have been lots of uh, critical articles everywhere saying millennials are killing dating, Tinder, online platforms. It's all bad for you. Um, yeah. And I'm definitely going to our dating queen, Maddie, <laughs> first. No, I just wanted to say that it's actually not just a millennial thing. You get um, people even in their 60s, 70s, 80s, even get like granny or grandpa dating. So it's actually... Well, it's true. Um, it's one of those things that because as our society has evolved, we're now into social media. So that is the quickest way to meet somebody. Like it's not like you can meet through friends of a friends because probably they're all hooked up anyway or nobody approaches you in a bar or a restaurant or if you're out in the street. Maybe if you still lived in, like I know when I lived in Zambia, guys actually do approach you when you're out on the street. So it's quite different. I mean living in Australia and the UK, I found that guys are not as, I think, ap- approaching to women unless they're blind drunk. <laughs> and, so, um, I guess another point here is, um, you know, obviously I kind of tried to uh, get a response from you, which I did <laughs> by saying that um, it's a millennial thing. But if you think about it, actually, I think every generation has sort of complained about the current generation killing dating. You know, like if you read articles from like 50 years ago, it was about the telephones killing dating. And then like women working is killing dating because there's like they can be out and about alone without a male relative being there playing chaperone. Um, and so on and so forth. So I don't actually think that, um, that argument, I mean, I don't even want that non-argument, um, that millennials are killing dating is, is a thing. Um, but I do think it's quite interesting. So one thing I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about was this theory of the paradox of choice, right? That online dating platforms such as Tinder or OkCupid or all the, or Bumble, all the other ones that you might be into, um, they basically offer such a great choice that it makes it harder to decide. And that's based on an um, experiment, on a study, uh, where, uh, not that I want to compare people to jam, but that's what the paradox of choice is based on that study, where people were giving sort of six different kinds of jams and they found it much easier to decide. Um, and then they were pres- like which jam they wanted. And then they were presented with 24 different kinds of jams and they could not make a decision. And people said that, you know, online platforms, online dating platforms are quite similar in the sense that you get so overstimulated with potential mates that you might find it really hard to make a decision. Um, I'm going to go to Maddie first just because she's obviously had experience with this. Is that something that you experienced? Like maybe you saw someone, you thought, oh, nice guy, but let's see what else is out there. Look, for when you go online dating, it's not like I didn't go on there to say I'm going to meet the one. So I wouldn't, like, obviously I would be chatting to, I guess, multiple people at the same time until there are those that you can weed out that you'd actually want to meet and actually see if there's going to be something there. But I do think also because the nature in which these apps work, because there are certain people say that if you want to hook up, go on Tinder. Or if you want to find something that's more meaningful, go on like Match.com or something that's a paid site. So I think it definitely depends on the intention of the person. Because I obviously, when I'm going on these, I would actually like to meet somebody I could go on dates with and have something, but not. I didn't think I was going to meet my husband-to-be. I think there is a lot of choice and it can be quite distracting because 
I for maybe for women it's not as distracting. You can sort of say, okay, I'll go out with him, but guys would be like, oh, if I go out with her, I might miss out on this, and that's why there's a lot of inappropriate dating culture in terms of like I'm in the belief that if I start chatting somebody and I'm not interested I'll tell them I'm not interested but you get this thing of you start chatting to people and then they just sort of like disappear because they don't want to they don't they're not interested in you or you find that it's just or the responses that you get if you sort of reject people is like they can call you names I mean because that's happened to me in that somebody sent me a message on sites and that oh you know would you want to go out for a drink and I'm just like like if I've read their profile and then even just the way they're chatting up, like, look, um, I thank you for your interest, but I don't think, you know, would be suited or something. And then you get called a whore, slut and racial terms, because obviously if you reject it and that, that goes to people's ego because they think, okay, out of all these hundreds of women, I've chosen you a message. So you obviously need to respond to me. So I think that thing of choice is a good and bad thing, a good thing in that you can meet different kind of people and see, what you're like, but bad thing in terms of it can get quite obscene. So as someone who, um, yeah, got locked down basically before the dating culture or like the online dating culture kind of blew up, um, I guess I've got a question, which is like, do you guys get addicted to like the validation of people like swiping you and people like definitely finding you attractive? Because that's something that like, I think I would totally get like hooked on like because going through everyday life like okay for me I'm what I'm 31 like I do not have men telling me I'm good looking ever <laughs> like except for except for my other half so like it must be there must be so much like um you know uh kind of I don't know that I, I, it's a question like do you get like hooked on that thing of like people telling you you're hot all the time no <laughs> um no I think it's quite funny because um so I recently joined tinder and I mean I kind of just did it out of curiosity because I was like at first I thought like oh god I'm never gonna go on one of these sites and I was like okay I kind of want to know what it's like and I think it's so easy it's so funny because like the first profile that I, at least for me was like the first profile I got I really spent like at least 15 minutes on it like okay so looking at all the photos like okay what is this guy maybe I don't know just trying to get as much information out of it as I could and then after that it's just this like you just kind of descend into this power trip of saying no to people it's just like no 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 oh you've got a PhD in molecular science no oh you've got gym pictures no um so I definitely I got not so much hooked on the validation bit I got hooked on the power trip of rejecting people I was like no 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 and then um but yeah it is funny I think how quickly you get jaded because like at the beginning whenever someone so I got a lot of comments on my eyes and stuff and so oh, whenever yeah, yeah just you know exactly yeah no but it's it, exactly it was like that because at the beginning you're like oh my god that's so nice giggle giggle I feel so great now look at me I'm so hot and then like the third or fourth person's just like whatever like come up with something new Jesus Christ so I do think I do think that's like a real issue and I feel sorry because you know obviously it's it's like someone's really trying to be flirty and nice to you by like saying something nice about your appearance and you're just a bit like oh not again um so I do think it's 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 pretty bad in those terms that you get so used to hearing nice things I don't really know if I personally if I um got hooked on it though because I still find it really really 
weird and awkward if someone tries to flirt with me on these apps. I usually just throw my phone in the corner and leave the room because I'm like, I just don't want to um, do that via text because of all the things that we talked about earlier, like that you can project so much on text and then build up these expectations and then maybe you meet someone and there's like zero chemistry and that'd be really weird I will say about tinder though um which is something I've read and I kind of thought about that and I guess I mean I haven't been on any other dating platform so I don't know if it's true but it appears to me that it is true that tinder is actually I guess maybe one that comes close to real life dating because you get a picture you get like a couple lines and based on that you make a decision and in that it's actually quite close to how you would meet someone in real life you know you see someone it's based on their appearance and maybe you know you exchange a couple of words or or someone tells you something about them if if it's like an acquaintance and then based on that you you're like, oh, I want to get to know that person. So in that sense, I guess Tinder actually is a bit like, you know, meeting someone in real life. Obviously not because it's online and you have like a buffet of men to choose from, but um, in the sense that um, it, it is kind of just shallow <laughs> and based on appearance. And, uh, yeah, so in that sense, uh, I don't know what the question was, but uh, yes, you do get very addicted to compliments. <laughs> I think if you had asked me five years ago about the validation, I think, yes, you can get addicted to it. But now, if a guy was to tell me, like, oh, you're gorgeous, I'd be like, thanks, I know. I think you just have to be really confident because obviously their goal is like trying to get into your pants. And I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm a confident girl. I know what I want. I'm a gorgeous girl printed on a T-shirt. Sorry. Yeah, I'm totally going to have a t-shirt printed that just says, be more Maddie. That's going to be my motto for life, I think. I wish I could take that, that position. To finish this topic of dating and relationships, we're going to have a quick rapid fire or not so rapid fire. I'm looking at you, Maddie, with your very one-word answer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received about relationships or dating? I just think uh, be yourself and that's the best you can be and they will love you for who you are. Maybe don't sweat the small stuff. As someone who has sweated the small stuff so many times, let it go. Yeah, mine's quite similar. Someone said to me recently, like, just have fun with it. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I tend to overthink and overanalyze. Um, pet names cute or awful no way so I hate baby or babe and all that stuff I like funny ones I like funny ones I love hang on I'm looking at Maddie because I know that's gonna make her really angry I love Maddie look at me I love boo pet names are shade (laughs) (laughs) um I just think I just use I guess the normal baby I don't use boo or bae because that's disgusting (laughs) I just find I just find them humorous and funny. I can't like the you know if it's like honey, sweetheart, baby. It's like oh, shut up. But if it's like hey boo, I can get on board with that. Anyway, um, Valentine's Day. Who gives a shit? I give literally zero shits. Also, anniversaries don't give a shit. Same. No shits. No shits given whatsoever. Okay, fuck both of you. Um, I think anniversaries are important. Um, Valentine's Day, I think if he can't show me that he's in love with me and thinks the world of me every other day, then like, why waste it on that one day? Best rom-com. 
I'm all my answers are really negative. Zero rom coms, not interested. When Harry met Sally. I'd say love actually. I know that's quite Christmassy, but it's the one that I really like because I don't really like too much cheesy shit. Best makeout song. Um, no, I'm not 14. Not for me. There's no such thing. I think there are lots of makeup songs, such as Whitney Houston, Boys to Men, Marvin Gaye. They're all great, and you guys suck. And You're not 14, like Mona said. Well, come on, have a little bit of fun. Bruno Mars? No? Okay. No. Whatever, you guys are Grinches. Um, date nights and relationships, yay or nay? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's um, not about necessarily having like a cheesy date night where you go out and kind of go to the cinema and have a burger, but definitely about like protecting some time for the two of you. Absolutely. I think it's important to have like time to yourselves because you can get carried away with work, friends and family. So just, you know, just the two of you can be quite nice. Like I've designated the 23rd with my boyfriend as our date night. Yes, very pro date nights. Very yay. Cool. Amazing do it um ideal first date scenario keep it casual or do something fancy i think a little bit of both um something casual but something different from any other date you've been on i think it should be very casual and avoid the word dating if possible (laughs) to make me feel comfortable (laughs) yeah i'm with i'm with eva super cash basically To close the episode, like every week, we're going to recommend something that we've seen, listened, or watched. Um, who wants to go first? Uh, mine is none of those things, but it's Korean food. Yay. Oh, my God. Yay. Had some Korean food last night, and basically just how good is Korean food? Kind of um, like salty and like vinegary and like I sweet. Like it's, it's nuts, but also very good. I love it. Have you tried my kimchi? What is that? Your oh, your own kimchi. I thought it was the name of a restaurant. Yes. <laughs> Have you tried my kimchi? That should be a come on. I'm, no, I mean I make my own kimchi. Have you tried it? Um, Eva, I'm really sorry, but I also make my own kimchi. <laughs> Whatever. So you're also marriage material. I see. Okay. Passing over to Maddie. Um, you didn't say where you got the food from, though. <laughs> It was just like Korean food in general. Um, I can't remember what the place was called. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about Korean food. Um, well, my recommendation is if anybody ha- just wants to go for like a day trip to Glasgow, wants to go to Glasgow, visit um, the People's Palace in Glasgow, which just shows a little bit of the history of Glasgow and people who fought in the Second World War and even just the, the cultural and the change um, that Glasgow's had. And I think it's actually a really great city just to visit. It's one of those, it's 45 minutes from Edinburgh on the train, where if you're coming from overseas, get to Glasgow at some point and listen to like some lovely Scottish folk music in some of the random pubs that they're there. So mine was going to be Black Mirror, which I watched all of while I was ill, but it was actually very disturbing, especially while you're ill. So that's not going to be my recommendation. Instead, I'm going to recommend the first book that I've read of 2018, which was I Remember Nothing by Nora Ephron, who's a screenwriter, producer and director of rom-coms, which you guys would know nothing about, (laughs) such as When Harry Met Sally, um, (laughs) Julie and Julia, Sleepless in Seattle and so on and so forth. And um, it's just a collection of essays and reflections. And 
I love it because, I mean, I do feel like Nora Ephron and I were kindred spirits in the sense that she's the queen of anecdotes. Like, there's no point to her stories, but she has a lot of anecdotes. And I do love those. And um, it's just really fun to see <laughs> just her random opinion on things. And it's just very humorous and funny. So if you want to read something that's like a feel-good book and that you can read very quickly in case you're doing a reading challenge <clears throat> like me, uh, then you should check out uh Nora Ephron, I remember nothing. So thanks for tuning in, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. And as usual, we'd be really interested to hear about your experiences. Maybe you are in an open relationship or you are polyamorous. So let us know how that's going and how you approach it. Bye. 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 We also want to thank Kevin McLeod for our title music, The Show Must Be Go. Thank you for providing cool, free music. Bye.